Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marchessault fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marchessault. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Wallace and Millard out at T-Mobile Arena as we get set for Vegas and St. Louis, a back-to-back for the Golden Knights. Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Fourth meeting of the season against the St. Louis Blues. A chance for the Golden Knights to win three in a row against their West Division rival. And this next stretch, ladies and gentlemen, over the next two weeks is what you call moving time. Opportunity is knocking. The second toughest stretch next to the final six games of this National Hockey League regular season when you look at strength of schedule and what they're up against. Five of the next seven are against teams that right now are in a playoff position. They will face each of St. Louis, Colorado, and Minnesota over the next seven games. Sounds daunting, sounds like a challenge, but it also is a huge opportunity. If you can go on a heater against these teams that you're battling for head-to-head, it will do a wonder of good when it comes to the West Division standings when we're only playing inside our division. It's at the door right now. Who's going to go and let opportunity in? Well, I think it'll – I mean, the Golden Knights have proven so far this season that when there are, are opportunities to kind of take advantage of the schedule or use the schedule to their advantage, they've done incredibly well. They've taken care of games that they've needed to take care of, and they've shown better than 500 against the other playoff teams in the division. This stretch – could really provide some comfort at the top for the Golden Knights as you continue to work through 27 games in 49 days. And you start it on the back half of a back-to-back where the Blues were here waiting, tucked into their COVID-restricted environment, and the Golden Knights played in L.A. yesterday afternoon and flew back. Not a long flight. You're not changing time zones. But you still play the game, and you're going. Now, Vegas has been really good in the second half of back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. Really locked down. They've got that going for them. Uh, one of those victories in a back-to-back was against the St. Louis Blues when they swept the series in St. Louis 14 days ago. So there's there's good opportunities to, to think positively about what's going to happen tonight. But the score first half of the schedule was beyond expectations for me record wise yeah first place was the goal they accomplished that but the record was extraordinary now you got to really buckle down and make sure you capitalize on that little cushion that you have when when you're trying to look at this back half of the season like in terms of your expectations for this club the remainder of the way what are they first place now wire to wire First place. Yeah. That's that's the only goal now. You start the second half of the season 
with a, a five-point lead on first place. Now it's down to three because mm-hmm. uh, Colorado won. Uh, so you, you start with your cushion. You, you went out and you gave yourself a little bit of breathing room. I don't care if they win by one point, whether they win by a tiebreaker, <laughs> what happens. But the second half of the season is all about that number one seed and giving yourself the best path to the Stanley Cup final because you win first place, then you look at points percentage. They've been in that battle for overall uh, points percentage in the National Hockey League, that head-to-head battle uh, that seems to go back and forth on a, on a weekly basis with Tampa Bay. Uh, there's there's a lot still to play for, but the, the first half was about making sure that you do whatever you can to lock down your playoff position and make sure you're in a good spot while well, they're in first place. Now, the second half is not giving that up. Yeah, and I, I think that that's kind of where it should be. Like when we when we went into this season, the expectation for the Golden Knights was a deep playoff run with a with a an eventual eventual Stanley Cup championship, and and that's what the standard is that we have to measure this team against, regardless of what the schedule is going to be like in this back half. That's going to be up to the players and up to Pete DeBoer to have to figure out how to manage the roster in order to get the the wins necessary to finish this this division off in first place and i think that that's where the the expectation for the golden knights should be in the back half you've led up to this point you don't want to lose it in the back Mm -hmm. half because when you look at this building and you look at the fans inside this building and we've already seen them pay dividends we've already seen this team come back and win games and draw off of that energy, you want as many home games as you can get in the playoffs. What kind of adversity waits around the corner? Max Pacioretty missed yesterday. Alex Petrangelo's out of the lineup right now. But Robin Leonard is back. They've got, outside of the the two big guns, they've got some guys that can go in and out of the lineup so you can work some load management if you want to. Not true load management because that's usually reserved for your front-end players. But you can freshen up parts of your lineup at times. What the kids have done on the back end and the growth that we've seen from Coglin and Haig and White Cloud gives you so much flexibility for the second half of the season to be able to move pieces in and out and make sure that everybody stays fresh. What you've seen from Kolasar, who's now become a full-time National Hockey League player, wasn't at the start of the season. He's making a push. Cody Glass making a push. You can move players in and out of the lineup. Patrick Brown mm-hmm. has yeah. received uh, some some serious looks. He's done exactly what you signed Patrick Brown to be. Mentor when he's with the Henderson Silver Knights and give you some jump when he's in the National Hockey League. So there's there's places to freshen things up in your in the bottom part of your lineup, whether it's your 3-4, five six on the blue line or whether it's your seven to twelve up front the question that will in the end determine the likelihood of success or failure is how much you can stay healthy with your top six and your top two Alex Petrangelo Mm -hmm. is looking he has this will be his 12th game that he's missed this year yeah they're eight and three without him in the lineup. That's really incredible. And and I say that is 
we don't know when he's going to be back. Right. It's not going to be tonight. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like it's going to be this week. But when you can have an 8-3 and three record with arguably your best defenseman not in the lineup is you've, you've already hurdled one, one big challenge. You've hurdled the Robin Leonard being out for 18 games mm-hmm. with Marc-Andre Fleury's great success. Yeah. How, how long can you keep clearing those hurdles? Well, I, I, I think that, you know, you look, through, you look throughout this roster and you look at this, this team in the dressing room and, and all these guys are going to tell you that it, you can weather it as long as you need to because they believe in that room they're a, a contender, that they're a good team, and the next man up is going to come in and do his job. And if that's what happens, then this team more or less is going to win hockey games because they've still got that high-end talent. Mark Stone is having himself a season. Max Pacioretty having himself a season. And, you know, I think, I think right now the, the, the important thing is that whatever is ailing Max Pacioretty is not something that's going to keep him out for multiple games. You need that dynamic offensive ability in the lineup more often than not because there just aren't other guys that can fill that role of mm-hmm. Max Pacioretty. Like just, you, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it, like when you look at Shea Theodore and what he's able to bring to the table in the absence of Alex Petrangelo, would you, would, do you want Petrangelo in the lineup? Absolutely, but Shea Theodore can kind of fill that role. You, you don't have another Max Pacioretty on this roster. So Alec Tuck goes up and plays that spot. Yeah. When Mark Stone was out, Alex Tuck went up and played that spot. So he's, he's played both sides of, of that line. When Chandler Stevenson was out, Cody Glass went up and played in that spot. I wouldn't say that the line was the same yeah. when any of those three players were out. Stone, Pacioretty, or Stevenson. Does it surprise you at all that I say the line wasn't quite the same without Stone, Pacioretty, and Stevenson? Because I think it might be time to say Chandler Stevenson isn't just the best option that they have. Mm -hmm. He's the best option and a great fit with those two. I don't know if you listened to the pregame show yesterday, but... Part of the the discussion that I had is that Chandler Stevenson is a bona fide number one center for this team. He is the guy. And the way that he works with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, the way that those three guys play off of each other, the chemistry that they have built, the use of each guy's individual skill and the maximizing of those skills is what makes that line so successful, so hard to defend against. You've got, I think, a perfect storm of three guys whose styles complement each other so well, and Chandler Stevenson is a vital part of what goes right on that line. So is Mark Stone having a career year because Max Pacioretty's having a career year? Is Max Pacioretty having a career year because Mark Stone is enjoying the best run that he's ever had in the National Hockey League? Or are the two wingers having career years because they have chemistry with Chandler Stevenson? Now, Chandler Stevenson will not be lauded as a true number one center across the National Hockey League. Probably not. You will not get that type of accolade yeah well because but, I, go ahead but 
when you examine what's happening and what the Golden Knights are getting out of their big two, it, 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 it might be just coincidence. Mm-hmm. But all three are playing the best hockey in their respective hockey National Hockey League careers. Yeah, I, I, again, I think that it, it just goes to the construction of that line. It goes to what Chandler Stevenson brings to the table. It's the speed that he has, but it's also the patience that he has with the pucks. He's got great offensive instincts. He plays off of Mark Stone so well, and everybody understands that if you want to set up that shot for Max Pacioretty, there's a lot of work that has to be done uh, away from the puck. Those two guys in Stone and Stevenson specifically are so good at, at creating these these waves and creating misdirection in the offensive zone that it opens up a lot for Max Pacioretty. I just think it's a line that's constructed in, incredibly well, and it's a line that is built to succeed in the NHL today. I think it may, he makes them so much faster. Yeah. Not, not because of Chandler Stevenson's speed makes Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone quicker, like Max Pacioretty isn't five mile per hour faster, right? Because he's skiing. But two things: one, they go north south. Mm-hmm. They go north south a whole lot more with Stevenson on the ice. Yeah. And with his speed, it just creates more room in the neutral zone. And that's time, space is money. Yeah. I I mean I I completely agree with you, and and I think that at this point. The best, the best configuration of this lineup has Chandler Stevenson right where he is. Like I, when you when we've seen that line with different centers at various mm-hmm. times, it's just not the same. It's not as dynamic. They don't possess the puck. There there aren't as many dangerous scoring chances, and so now it's just a matter of understanding you've got that figured out understanding that that's how this lineup should be, and then maximizing everything else, trying to maximize your third line, trying to maximize your fourth line, and squeeze as as much production out of those two lines as you can moving forward. But you're so much better right now up front with Stevenson centering that line yeah. and William Carlson between the Misfits. Yeah. And, and in the bubble last year, Brian, mm-hmm. Carlson was with, Pacioretty and Stone. Yep. And I think at the time that was that was the right decision. It made sense. I wonder coming into training camp, did they put Stevenson back with Stone and Pacioretty because they wanted to hit the ground running with Carlson, Smith, and Marcia? So is that why the decision was made to give everybody a sense of familiarity or did in their wildest dreams, did management and the coaching staff foresee Chandler Stevenson not just out there to take the face-offs and not get in the way? Because mm-hmm. that's in, in some great lines, that's almost been the role of players. <laughs> just don't get in our way. I, I think you need three players on a line to drive it, right? Like, I mean, as much as, as you can rely on Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty to do the heavy lifting – you still need something to balance that. And and I think that you go into this season and understanding the best William Carlson 
has been in his career is with Marcia So and Smith. And the, I think the best that those three players have been in their professional careers is with each other and understanding how much chemistry they have and that if you keep them together long enough, that chemistry is going to bear out on the ice. It's, it's, it's borne out literally since the beginning of the season. So but go it, back to training camp. But it'll, Were you surprised that Carlson was with the Misfits and not with Pacioretty and Stone? Because I was. I, I wasn't because I... I I feel like the question coming into this season was, is it going to be Chandler Stevenson? Is it going to be Cody Glass, right? Like those were kind of the two options that we thought of with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. And we've seen Chandler Stevenson work with Pacioretty and Stone in the past. And I think that there was a real concerted effort this season to see if that was just something that happened, just a flash in the pan, or if, what we saw over the course of last season when those three players were put together and they were dominant, whether you could replicate that, whether that can continue to grow. And Chandler Stevenson has taken advantage of this opportunity and he's turned it into a full-time gig. In much the same way, William Carlson took advantage of his opportunity as the top-line center of this team year one and turned it into a 43-goal campaign and hasn't looked back since. Those two players are interesting to me because they're both guys that didn't have much of that role until they did, and now it's it's impossible to think of them going back, reverting back to being those depth players that they used to be. The biggest compliment I think Chandler Stevenson has received this year was when he wasn't in the lineup. Yeah. Not, not because Stone and Pacioretty weren't as effective, but because Pete DeBoer didn't just automatically bump William Carlson up mm-hmm. yeah. and put him. He moved Cody Glass up and left that Marcia So Carlson and Smith line together. We're not going to mess with this at all because that is a line. Yeah. They, they went away against the uh, Colorado Avalanche. They juggled their lines a little bit, moved things around. But for the most part, 27 of the 30 games going into tonight, it's it's been pretty status quo with the Stevenson Stone Patre. You know, Patre's not going to play tonight from the sounds of it. But are are you surprised that Chandler Stevenson was able to take this? Yeah, take this and run with it to the point that he has. Yeah. Yes. You I, heard you heard all the right things when they acquired him from Washington yeah. for a fifth round pick. Yep. All the right thing has talent, has speed, has versatility. What did Kelly McCrimmon say in our show last summer? Like Swiss Army knife. You can mm-hmm. you could you can play up your lineup. You can play down your lineup. Yep. He can kill you pe- kill penalties for you. He can uh, he can be on your power play if you need to be. Versatility can he even play the wing mm-hmm. a little bit. But come on, they got him for a fifth round pick in the middle of the season from a team that. Sure, he was playing behind some superstars mm-hmm. yeah, and maybe didn't get this look, but there was no indication when they picked him up that he would be your number one center with, like, out any debate. There's no debate about it. No, it, it, it's not. It's Chandler Stevenson, William Carlson, that's one, two down the middle for this team. And that was a concern after uh, Paul Stastny left. Sure. They needed, they needed somebody to step up. Stevenson got the first crack. Mm-hmm. Now, they would have got to a slow start. There would have been some – Cody Glass would have got a good look there sure. right away. Or yep. William Carson 
would have got a good look right away. But it never even got close to that. So, like, as as we kind of inch our way to the trade deadline, and I know we'll get a little bit more in depth on that. Three like, weeks today. When you, when you look at the, the Stevenson trade, and I would make the argument when you look at the Alec Martinez trade and what you've gotten out of Alec Martinez as a Golden Knight, is should that be the philosophy? If you're going to add something, if you're going to find a way to augment what you already have, I don't necessarily think it's got to be this big, grandiose well, they trade because they can't do they it. Can't. They can't do it from the money perspective. But we've seen Kelly McCrimmon find diamonds in the rough. Mm-hmm. We have seen him make these trades that when you look at it, you say, well, okay. But then it's, it's come in in Chandler Stevenson and solidified a need that allowed you with confidence to go out and get Alex Petrangelo. Alec Martinez, I love that trade right from the start. I had expectations for Alec Martinez. So I, did I. I, I saw him doing a lot more than what he was contributing with the Los Angeles Kings during that rebuild. What Alec Martinez has contributed to this team is not a surprise to me. Chandler Stevenson and his production is very much a surprise to me there's there's moments where you just sit back in our business and you're on the 95 you're on flamingo you're sitting there going i know a little bit about the game or whether it's football <laughs> or baseball or hockey i know a little bit about the game i can do this these moments with with the blossoming of a player like chandler stevenson reminds me that I could never be a scout or a manager because I just don't see that. I, I, I'm not able to project that. Kelly McCrimmon had a real benefit of coaching against Chandler Stevenson in junior hockey, yeah. Brandon Regina. Yep. So he knew the upside of the player. Your scouts go out and they either affirm that or they go, he's lost that step what the player that you remember is not, is not. so they they confirmed what what kelly had seen when he joined the team in new jersey was his first game i believe last year when he joins the team good player stanley mm-hmm. cup champion yep a good buddy of mine on pei coached him in regina so he filled me in got to know a little bit more more about chandler stevenson familiar western canadian saskatoon kid so there's a lot that I that I had around him. Not even close to this, Ryan. <laughs> Not even close to this. Good story. Come in, compliment the team. No guarantee that 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 you're going to sign him again. You hope so. Yep. Now that what what's his extension? Hey, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's uh, four more years at two point seven five per. So say they fa- they find something and this becomes one of your lines. Yeah. Your what? number one center is two plus for four. Yeah. W- what's the total of the contract? You'll have to give me a minute. I have to math. You have to math? Yeah. I love math. Yeah, you would. I love it when we do math on this show. And I'll explain why I want to know the total of the contract. It's $11 million. All right. Four years, $11 million. Pat Randy and Stone? Mm-hmm. Eh, that's a little more than one year of those two. 
Yeah, well, that's a total. And that's what that's what you, you, you if you're going to spend big on big players. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Petrangelo, Pacioretty, Stone. You're spending big. Flurry, spending big. You got to find deals. And, and 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 Stevenson, Theodore, some of these contracts are great contracts. And it takes him through. You know, he's 26 now, so it's taken him right into mm-hmm. that age where. As a player, you can assess where he's at, and you can either reward him with a longer-term or, or medium-term contract when it's when it's up. But, I mean, you've got, for all intents and purposes, a top-line center that complements two of your bigger-ticket players and gives you a complete line and allows flexibility to the rest of the roster. You, It's already paid off. Sure, yeah. That contract has paid off if you get through this year with him as your number one center it's paid off no matter whether he plays second third or fourth line for the next three years of the deal he's been that good at producing career years or being part of the career years of Pacioretty and Stone I'll take it I'll take it all day long we'll take a break when we come back we're going to offer our grades on the Sunday encounter against the Los Angeles Kings, and we'll offset that with the Friday night victory at Staples Center. So it's not just going to be the Sunday game. (laughs) So everybody thinking, (laughs) stick figures, here we come. Might have to just hold your breath a little bit. It's the VGK Insider Show, ahead of a one-off against the St. Louis Blues, making it up in the schedule on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Rocking and rolling through T-Mobile Arena, Vegas Golden Knights, St. Louis Blues. This is a makeup game, right? Yep. Making it up from when the coaches didn't coach, right? That's 100% accurate, yep. So this was supposed to be the second game after Kelly McCrimmon and Manny Vibros and company coached that game. Yeah. Vegas lost 5-4 in the shootout. What a fun and game that the, was. The COVID game. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. So this, we're not even supposed to be here right now. No, not not particularly. But it feels normal. Well, it does because it's game day, non-game day. Back-to-back. Game, game, non-game day, game day, non-game day. Yeah, well, game now day. in in the sense of, of this week, it's game day, game day, non-game day, non-game day, which is just very odd. What are you going to do for non, two non-game days? Sleep. Okay. You bring I, up a good point. I'm going to wake up about five minutes before we go to air tomorrow, just just so you're aware. Just Ryan so you jo- know. Ryan Johansson, Nashville Predators. Yep. Big win yesterday against the Dallas Stars. Huge victory. They, they need something to go their way. They do. He does a Zoom interview. Yeah. So what, uh, what are you going to do now? Going straight to bed. <laughs> like the players are beat they are so tired right now and we still have half a year to go it's it's one of the more surreal experiences is so when you run a marathon and i've i've completed uh 15 is it 16 15 or 16 zero i've never done a marathon never done a marathon never, never done. Have, you, have you done a half but well, that doesn't count. Have you ever done a marathon? Have you have you ever done a half? Yes. Really? No. Okay, that's what I thought. No. Yeah. Uh, so, the marathon they always talk about hitting the wall. Yeah. You you bonk as they say. Bonk. Yeah. Right. In biking, same yeah. thing. You yeah. bonk. Yep. Uh, 
But a marathon, you hit that wall around whatever mile marker. 17, 18. Right now, mm-hmm. this, we're, we're at the wall right now. Players, coaches, staff are, are looking around going, we have another 25 games, mm-hmm. 24 games, yep. 26 games of this. And everybody's kind of bonking right now. Mm-hmm. They're still going out and, and playing hard. Nobody can believe, really, that tomorrow when they wake up, they got to do it again. Usually, you have that bye week that you look forward to, or sure, yeah. something to look forward to. We're we're right in the like when players are saying, mm-hmm. "I'm going to bed." Yeah. Now they're saying it. Don't you feel bad right now that you said I'm going to sleep tomorrow? Uh, can you imagine doing what they're doing? No, I don't feel bad um, because I I like to rest too. But no, I I mean. It doesn't mean that I can't empathize with these players. Like I get it, I, I do, and and that's why I can't believe you're complaining and I'm they're doing all the work. I'm not complaining at all. I mean, listen, bitching and moaning—that's not whining. happening right now at all. That's not even that's not even close. And to to my point, I've been very clear every opportunity that I get that if the team doesn't have it, if they don't have their game, if they don't have that full 60-minute complete game energy, that it's not time to freak out or panic or or get upset as, mm. if you're a fan. Because just try to imagine what this season is like for these players and the physicality that they're going through and being physically tired while at the same time being mentally exhausted. And being in a bubble. Like, they're right. not allowed to do anything. Right. That's the other thing. They're in that COVID not not a true tried and true bubble, but they're not allowed to do anything. No, and and I mean, like you know, I, I thought that after the road trip, Jonathan Marchessault, when he talked about what it was like and and trying to balance sleep with the desire as a father to just go and play with your kids when they get up because they haven't seen you for ten days, like it's beyond just the physical; it's everything on yeah. the whole, and you've got to you've got to respect. And I think have a deeper respect for these players and what they are putting their bodies and their minds through so far this season. So at the same time, I'm tired. So yeah, I'm gonna go to sleep. It's great. And I don't. I don't blame you. <laughs> I, I I really don't. The, but here's what we're gonna see. And mark my words. Mm-hmm. Last week we watched. Oh, this is a good song. Little poison. There you go. Bed of Roses on in the rink today. Were we you not Bob, uh, paying attention when they played uh, Home Sweet Home? Was that Motley Crue? That was a Bob good one. And, That's a good one, too. But it, but we had Bob and Doug. And we had, no, it's, it's Motley Crue. No, no, no. This is. This yeah. Is. But yeah. Take Me or Home Sweet Home no, no, is Motley no. Crue. Right. He was. Are you trying to one-up me on, okay, no, on no, no, like, no. the in arena song? Here's, here's the thing that's confusing to me. Darren points out a Poison song yeah. because it's Poison. Yeah. And yes. Chapman's like, oh, did you not hear the Motley Crue song that they played earlier? Well, they, 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 they played a couple love or power ballads. I mean, I think that's cool. But, like, Motley Crue is not Poison. Motley Crue's better than Poison. Uh, I will say that they played Bob and Doug McKenzie, uh, Take Off to the Great White North earlier. A classic song. If you've uh, never heard it, Google it. It's awesome. Rick Moran, it's their uh, Giddy Lee from uh, Rush was in it. Uh, it was. It had me just bellowing out of the top of my lungs uh, here on the flight deck in Section 104 as we get set for the Golden Knights against the St. Louis Blues. Game 30 for the Golden Knights. My prediction, and it falls in line with something that happened last week. Mm. 
when the New York Rangers beat the Philadelphia Flyers nine cop, could have gone either way. Yep. A couple of bounces. Yep. And the Rangers were able to jump on it. We are going to see so many of those games that it's going to become the norm. Because players and teams are going to realize, and coaches are going to realize it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. And all the comebacks that we've witnessed are great. But if you fall behind by three, four, it's good night, Irene, and you're going to go you're <laughs> gonna go to what we call that load management, in-game load management. You're gonna sit your stars, you're gonna rest them as much as you can, you're gonna play your death guys, and you're gonna leave your backup goaltender, or you're gonna put your backup goaltender in, and they're just gonna have to face the music. And that, between right now, all of April and May, we're going to get one of those a week. Mark wow. my word. Mark my words that we're going to get somebody scoring seven, eight, or nine once a week because of and and that's that's just the teams, Ryan, that are in it. Sure. Yeah. Imagine the Anaheim's or the Detroit's or the Ottawa's. Like they're already giving us a couple of those. Wait till it gets really bad. Yeah. And they're out of it by 21 points in a 56 game schedule. Where's their give a heck meter going to be at? It's not going to be high. So just when it happens, you'll go, eh, Mallard said it. We'll, we'll get a seven spot once a week. A seven spot once a week. At least. You sh- do you want to bring it down to five nope. or six? Nope. Seven spot once a week. It starts today. Okay. Well, I'll give you the the Rangers one. Oh yeah, like so, I'll, I'll start you off with with one. I don't need the middle square in the bingo card, my friend. I want to earn it. Oh man, I feel like this is a bet. I don't. I no, feel I'm like not, I want to find not, a way to no, turn this into a I bet. I think I paid my punishment on the bets. No, so you, no, so you're just, I don't think you have. No, 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 Chapman, you're not a part of this. Um, you gave him the full Heisman there. Yeah, well, he's not. Every time we've tried to make a bet on this show, he's he's the biggest chicken. No, we just haven't had a bet that I want to make. Hey, did you make the promo yet from the uh, Pete DeBoer interview last week? I wasn't here. I don't know. I I, go back and listen to it and make it. Nobody nobody told me anything about a Pete DeBoer promo. Okay, we need a promo from the Pete DeBoer interview last week. It's Pete DeBoer dunking on Darren. That should be all the motivation you need. Yeah, that that right there, that that motivates me. And you know what? I'm fine with it because that's good radio and that's good for the show. Yeah, anytime you get dunked on, I'm 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 all for that. I'm not so high and mighty where I'm not going to put myself uh, out there. You can't make fun of me. Like, chat. Who do you think you are? I am! You guys guys make fun of me all the time. No, no, no. When when guests come on and they they dunk on you. You don't want to use well, that as a there's, there's no guests who, who dunk on me. I mean, I'm irrelevant when it comes to that. What what guest has dunked on me? So we do you think we'll get a seven spot tonight? I don't know about tonight. Like Winning team always scores five between these clubs. Well, I, I don't think this is going to be a low-scoring affair. I, I look at this, this game. These two teams, I believe, are incapable of playing a boring game. And I, I guess you could argue the last game that the Golden Knights won, uh, it, it was a, a great margin of victory for Vegas. It was more than one goal. But I, I don't necessarily 
McFlurry classified that game as boring because Mark Andre had to yeah. come up with some big, big saves. There were high danger chances on both sides of the ice. Like it was a fun and entertaining game. I look at this as as no different. Every time these two teams play, I think it's going to be incredibly close. I do think that the Golden Knights throughout this season have had the better opportunities. They've carried the play more. Uh, I would classify St. Louis as more opportunistic just in terms of burying the chances that they have. So I don't, I don't necessarily think this is going to be much different in terms of what we've seen from these two clubs so far. I think it's going to be hard fought, probably going to go to overtime, and that's my read on it. St. Louis is the best road team in the National Hockey League. Vegas wins tonight. They're tied for the most home wins in the National Hockey League. What gives? Yeah, I, I don't know um, because St. Louis is terrible at home. Like I, I don't even understand that specifically, but I, I think when you look at the Blues and just kind of some of the characters, some of the players that they have on that, on that team, and, and specifically David Perron, I think they get a lot of satisfaction uh, uh, going into someone else's barn and just beating them. Yeah, I, I can't explain it. Even with that justification, it, I, I can't come up with that. I, I don't really know what it is. But, but they've won two in a row now. They're good. And they've they found something. They put uh, O'Reilly with Cairo and Perron the other night, and that line just lit up the San Jose Sharks. Did they, did they find the magic ingredient to give them a boost? I don't know. I mean, no Oscar Sundquist certainly hurt, hurts. He's my favorite es- blue. Especially against the Golden Knights, yeah. right? Because Sundquist has been so good against Vegas historically. Uh, you no, know, Bozak, no Bozak. He played two. Now he's back out. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, St. Louis is, is going through it just in terms of injuries, and they, they've they got to continue to find different ways to win, and that's, that's going to be the story of the St. Louis Blues in the second half of the season. Can they continue to find different ways to win? And can they start winning games at home? So Pacioretty and Petrangelo are out. Uh-huh. We don't believe. Patriotti's playing. I mean, I haven't heard anything to the contrary. Who's more beat up right now? Because you take those two out of the Vegas lineup, and you've got a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman and a guy who's on pace for close to 50 goals over the course of an 82-game season. But St. Louis, blue line, decimated. Up front, missing key parts to their team lost a couple players uh due to uh injury before the season even started in alex dean lost mm-hmm. sunquist again the other day now they do get zach sanford uh back uh, curtis sanford back tonight uh he was uh he was on the fence because he had a false positive the other day in uh, in san jose another one of those players so they do get uh sanford back but it's it's hard to look at Vegas and say they're missing two of those players that they wouldn't be more in dire straits, but St. Louis is really uh, nicked up. Yeah, I mean, Oscar Sundquist, Mackenzie McEachern, Robert Thomas, all on injured Bryce reserve. Thomas. Just in, just injured re- reserve. Then you've got Steen and Pareko and Gunnarsson and Barbashev. Like, this team... Bozak is out. Bozak. Like, it, it is... I mean, I would make the argument that the Blues are more banged up right now than the Golden Knights. More but numbers. Certainly more numbers. And, and I mean, it, like, not, not having Robert Thomas, that hurts St. Louis. Like, he's he's one of those players that 
that just plays so hard every single time he's in the lineup, and and he brings that extra bit of scoring that you need to win games, specifically games that you expect to play with the Golden Knights, where you need a depth goal here or there. And, I mean, I think the Golden Knights are in a better spot coming into this game than where the Blues are, but, you know, you, you can't sleep on St. Louis and their ability to score. With Vladimir Tarasenko back in the lineup, Mike Hoffman, it hasn't really been ex- what St. Louis has expected, but he's still a threat every he's get, time. You know, he's been better lately. He's a threat every time he's on the ice, and he's been very good historically against Vegas. So um, St. Louis, though they're banged up, can still find ways to win. St. Louis and Vegas will play game four of their season series. If the Golden Knights can win tonight, they win three of the first four, mm-hmm. and they lost in a shootout in the other one. That is, and you've sought off so far against Minnesota. Two wins here. Yep. Minnesota's won both games in St. Paul. Colorado sought it off. Two and two. Yep. Uh, being able to take three of four in that type of situation or seven of eight points uh, against against one of these top three teams is a big step. There's a, There's an opportunity here tonight. To not not I'm not in the statement situation. This week is is a swing week, but to be able to go out and take three of the first four against the St. Louis Blues, yeah, would be uh, a major accomplishment. We've got some good news coming up uh, when we continue. I'm also going to tell you why they have four more games left against each other after tonight. It might not be the last time you see the Vegas Golden Knights and St. Louis Blues playing against each other at T-Mobile Arena. There's some stuff uh, that's that's happening and coming together that may make them a, a lot more familiar to you. It's the VGK Insider Show getting set for Vegas and St. Louis another Monday at the rink at T-Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the good news of the day on the VGK Insider Show. The good news of the day is brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. Over the weekend, the Henderson Silver Knights welcome fans back to the Orleans Arena. While that's fantastic, it is exciting. It's Logan Thompson's start to the season with the Silver Knights that makes up our good news of the day. Logan picked up his first shutout and improved to 8-1-0 and in nine appearances this season for the Silver Knights. Thompson leads the AHL in goals against average and save percentage. He's given up just 14 goals in nine starts and has a pristine 1.56 goals against average and a 9.53 save percentage. He's turning heads with his performance this year in Henderson and I think is really establishing himself as that that goaltender that we're going to talk about more and more often and it it's a good story with logan thompson just kind of his trajectory to getting to this point but if there's one thing with logan thompson that we know he believes wholeheartedly in him in himself uh, a little side note as it pertains to the henderson silver knights and this show the vegas golden knights insider show we will have a pair of henderson silver knights tickets to give away tomorrow for Wednesday's game against Colorado. 
Listen tomorrow for your chance to win those tickets, and we will continue to hook you up with the Henderson Silver Knights and the Vegas Golden Knights all season long. That was the good news of the day, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. We've got a lot more to get to in our number two. We are going to get to, and I'm going to make Darren, I'm going to make him give a rating because I don't know if you guys have noticed, it seems like he's trying to put off the inevitable ink blot or stick figures. But we're going to get to that in hour number two. One-timers also. And then everyone's favorite segment, or at least one person's favorite segment, catching up with Chapman. All that next right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. 30th game of the National Hockey League season in this truncated 56-game schedule. The Golden Knights on the ice tonight against the St. Louis Blues in a West Division showdown. It is a swing week for the Golden Knights. After this evening, they will face Colorado on Thursday and Saturday. Three straight games against top teams in the West Division. This is part of a stretch of five and seven against playoff teams right now. The Vegas Golden Knights are occupying first place in the West, followed by Colorado, and then a tie between Minnesota and St. Louis for the final playoff spot. St. Louis, based on the tiebreaker, is fourth. Ladies and gentlemen, if the season ended today, not only would there be an investigation, but the Vegas Golden Knights would draw the St. Louis Blues in a first-round matchup in the West Division. You're getting now. Listen to me here. Sign me up for that. With all due respect to LA, and they've played very well. They're patient. Mm-hmm. They wait for you to give them an opportunity, and if they are fortunate enough to capitalize on it, they can make a game of it and they can win some games. They beat both St. Louis and Vegas in the last week. Yep. I don't think they're going to be in the mix for a playoff spot. Your top four in the West right now, Mm -hmm. just past the halfway mark, Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis. Do you see a situation where any of those four are caught by Arizona, L.A.? I I don't. Okay, thank uh, you. I don't. I think that the top four that you see right now in the West is the top four that ends the season. In the West, I, I don't think that L.A.'s got enough to make that jump. And I think that St. Louis, as they get healthier, are they're going to kind of create more and more separation. Uh, they're the team of the four that I'm a little bit concerned about just because it, it hasn't seemed to go well and their home record is a little bit concerning. But um, Well, Minnesota's hit a speed wobble too. Well, yeah, but I mean, I, 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 just, I still think that there's enough structure with Minnesota that it's, it's going to be fine. They'll be okay. Um, I, I just, I, I think that this is what it's going to be. I don't think LA is ready. 
I don't think LA is ready. I don't trust Arizona and San Jose and, and Anaheim are out. You notice I didn't even mention them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's St. Louis and Vegas in a first-round matchup. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your head? Fun. Like, I I know that I I say this tongue-in-cheek, but, like, it, it, it'll be seven games of six, five games, and I'm, I'm oh, here Oh, you're saying it goes it. the distance? Oh, yeah. Like, it, with these two teams, like, St. Louis may not be able to win at home, but, I mean, they've proven they can win here. And the Golden Knights have proven they can win in St. Louis. Like I just, I think just recently. Yeah. Well, that's that's fair. But you're gonna ride that momentum as long as yeah. you can. I'm telling I you right now. I I just I think that seven games between these two clubs would be too much fun. It really would. And I I'm I'm here for that. I don't think we can start looking at matchups soon enough. <laughs> only only because the opportunity presents itself with with a division that features haves and have-nots. Yeah. And even in the upper echelon of the haves, you have the penthouse and you have the regular two-bedroom with good good square footage. Mm-hmm. Maybe yep. maybe a nice view, but you're not in the basement. So there's, there's even separation between the Golden Knights, Colorado, and... Than Minnesota and St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A big week this week will strengthen that even more. I mean, I, I still, you know, listen, I, I think that you start off today on the right foot and then it's it's going to be where do the Golden Knights stand after those two games against Colorado. And that informs a lot of what happens the rest of the week and, and where Vegas is at and how they're feeling about their game. But as, as important as this game is against St. Louis and as important as two days off in theory is going to be for the Golden Knights, they'll practice one, they'll travel on another before taking on Colorado, as important as that's going to be, it's, it's these three games and really the two against Colorado that I'm very much focused on that I think we're going to learn the most about the Golden Knights in this stretch is how they play those two games against Colorado. Today's a real tone setter, isn't it? I, for the I agree. Week? And, going, and I, in, going into that series in Denver on, on Thursday and Saturday. And it's almost why I would prefer if there was a letdown, and I think that you can classify yesterday's game as a letdown. I'm glad it happened against L.A. and not today against St. Louis because that sets you up for a really, really tough uh, just kind of turning of the page and getting back in gear. If you can come back today looking to avenge that loss from yesterday and you've got more energy just because you're trying to make that statement, I think it sets you up better for the rest of the week. You do the pre- and the post-game show, intermissions, mm-hmm. Fox yep. Sports Las Vegas on the VGK Radio Network. You heard Riley Smith and Mark Stone after the game yesterday. What struck me out of that was the team had six regulation losses going into yesterday. Yep. Playing game 29. And if you listen to their answers without knowing what the record was, Uh I think you would have believed they were a 500 team and had lost a crucial game in a a playoff race. They don't want to lose. They, They hate losing. Yeah. But there was no, 
and I don't expect anybody to be chirpy and sure. laughy yeah. and, and jokey uh, after after a loss, but that didn't sound like a a, a team that was twenty one seven and one. No, it didn't. Did it? And, and and it didn't. But I think it's be, it's because that's how they react that they are twenty one seven and one. Right? Like like this is a team that that just being good enough to get to the playoffs isn't enough for them. Just being one of the top four teams in this division isn't enough for them. They want to go out. They want to dominate. They want to finish first. And every loss makes that a little bit murkier. It's a little less clear that that's what's going to happen. I expect this team to come into this game incredibly pissed off about what happened yesterday and looking to make a statement against the Blues. Would you have given any consideration to starting Marc-Andre Fleury? Today? Yeah. I mean, listen. Only because he's, he, for his career on back-to-backs, <laughs> yeah. he's lights out. I think there's a lot of reasons that I would consider starting Marc-Andre Fleury. It's the recency bias of how well he played against St. Louis in St. Louis. It's just how locked and dialed in he's been. And he's great in terms of back-to-back situations when he starts both the front and the back half. Um, I mean, I'd consider it. It's not going to happen. But at the same time, you got Robin Leonard back. Exactly. Finally. And you want to get Robin Leonard into his rotation. And you want to get Robin Leonard comfortable. And I think it's a great opportunity for Robin Leonard to really get to his fundamentals and his game and start to feel comfortable in his crease. Marc-Andre Fleury has given up one goal in two games playing on consecutive nights. Yeah. Goals against average of .5. Not and, bad. And in saying that, it, it's yeah, it's not going to happen. Robin Leonard, this is his game. This is, this is Robin Leonard to announce that he's back. L.A. Friday night was good. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he played really good. He looked crisp in his movements. Yeah. He, I felt and I don't have the, the, the eye of a National Hockey League goaltending coach, but he looked more uh, dialed in with his movements than he did at the start of the season. It, it was, I think composure is the word that I would use. Like, he just, he didn't seem to be chasing the game. He just seemed like... Looked tighter. Every, every, every read was where it needed to be. He arrived on time. Pucks hit him. Um, I thought he was good against L.A. And, and I think that you, you get this, this game out of the way. You get this game for Robin Leonard to really dial in, to see those, those high-end skill guys that the St. Louis Blues have. And a win here just continues to roll that confidence. And that's important the rest of the way. Kind of owes St. Louis a little bit, too. He started that game that Kelly McCurman coached with yeah. Manny Vibros. Yep. And it was another one of those early stumbles. Yeah. And then settled into the game. But he, he owes St. Louis here. This this is the strength of your goaltending, is why you don't start Marc Andre Fleury. Sure. But it's also, boy, almost a, an embarrassment of riches when he's so good on back to back. Yeah. And all the analytics say nobody's good on well you're you're better starting the fresh body but he's been outstanding 2-0 and on back-to-back and then you've got robin leonard who's got that one game in mm-hmm. now you got your feeler you got to go out and you got to perform uh, 
we had two games on the weekend. We did. We have our rating scale. We one do. One to five. Yep. And we do it uh, via artwork. We are going to lump the two games together as mm. per our you uh, might. prerogative. You, you got, might. You, you have to lump them together. No, because you, you don't. Can't, don't have no. to. You, you, no. You don't have to. It's not going to be a 35-minute segment it's on not, stick it's not, figures. It's not going to be a 35-segment It will on, be with on stick figures. No, it won't. It's easy. Listen, Chapman can give us two, but he's got to keep it to a tidy 90 seconds per game. Okay. If you want to do two, you got to keep it to 90 That's seconds. That's fine. I mean, per I, game? I, no. 90 I seconds per game. I don't even need 90 seconds per game. Oh, okay. I thought I thought Friday night was a Fancy good game. Fancy pants over here. Yeah. I, I, it, was, I, it was what? I thought it was a good game Friday night. I mean, I, I was disappointed that they gave up that goal late in the first period, and then they allowed L.A. to tie it, but at the end of the day, I feel like the superior team, they flex their muscle a little bit in, in the latter half of the second period and the entire third period, and they got the W, so I, I I would go right in the middle. I would I would say that that's uh, forty five seconds. All right, I, it's right in the middle. And yesterday was was a stick figure. I saw very little energy. What's right in the middle? Uh, you're, you're not clear. You're not remember. clear. Well, he it's not remember. it's not it's not ink blot. It's what wine See, and paint. He doesn't How do you, no, it's a finger paint. Oh, it's a finger goodness. paint. Yeah, I finger told paint. You. And, and then yesterday was a stick figure. And the crazy thing is, I I still thought when Tomas Nosek scored, they were going to win the game. What would you have changed it to? If they would have won the game, I still don't think it, it it probably wouldn't have been much higher than an ink blot because I don't think they played well. You just went over your time, <laughs> and I'm uh, done. I don't need ninety seconds. Well, you distracted me in the middle, so well, you, well, you distracted you. You, you didn't even know. You don't even know what the rating system Listen, is. I said it was right square in the middle, and yes, what is that, it's, Chapman? It's, it's a Chapman. finger paint. You have to describe things for the listeners. It's a finger paint. It was. If, if we were just going to go one through five, we would have just kept okay, it well, one well, through five. Yeah, it was a three out of a five. Friday, Friday night was like, a finger paint. Yesterday was a stick figure. And had they found the way to win the game, it would have been an ink blot. All right, so that's a four total. So he gives it uh, a two out of five from the weekend. I'm uh, I'm just averaging you out. Go ahead, Ryan. So that's an ink blot. Uh, yeah, listen, I, I thought the, the game on Friday, it, it was interesting insofar as even though LA tied the game, even though LA kind of stuck around, there was a, there was no point in time where I felt like the Golden Knights were going to lose that game. And when you factor in all of the extra distractions, not knowing if Alex Tuck was going to be available, not knowing if Chandler Stevenson was going to be available, not knowing if William Carlson was going to be available due to a false positive, I give that game, along with the return of Robin Leonard, a wine and paint. I thought top to bottom, considering all the distractions that were surrounding this club, that game was a solid outing for the Vegas Golden Knights. They did what they needed to do. It wasn't particularly entertaining, but it was a good, solid effort from the Golden Knights. And yesterday, I mean, it's a stick figure. The Golden Knights just did not have their game. They, you know... you you understand the challenge. You understand trusting your penalty kill. It didn't work out in their favor. And as Chapman said, even though they lost that game 3-1, to one, when Tomas Nosek scored, I thought inevitably the Golden Knights were going to win that game. Even though it was an ink, uh, a stick figure. I went the same way. Wine and paint for Friday. I thought it was the tidiest, most complete game we've seen in a long time. Even yeah. with surrendering the lead, no threat. Uh-uh. Didn't Didn't get that sense at all. Love the way Robin Leonard played. Uh, Love the offense that they generated. Uh, I was really impressed with the tidiness of the game. Yesterday, 
was was better than a lot of people will reflect on. I thought they controlled more of the game. L.A. was very opportunistic. And listen, you got a penalty off of a, of a bad challenge that went the wrong way, mm-hmm. and it turned the tide of the game, and L.A. was able to protect that lead. Uh, if you if you don't challenge and you're playing down one, I think it's a very different game. Uh, Pete DeBoer admitted that they shouldn't have challenged that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he took that one. He owned that. And from a, from but from a, I think that clouds a little bit of the performance. Was it was it the most dynamic game? No, I'm still giving it a stick figure. But I think <laughs> I think it was a better. I think there were some muscles on the stick, like okay. So uh, then, then then we uh, will will reflect on and and I just waited for the comeback. I was just yeah. sitting there waiting when no sex puck crawls over Cal Peterson's shoulder yeah. and in. Here we go. So, in terms of what type of stick figure, I think Muscles is uh, is, is appropriate because mm-hmm. Keegan Colesar's fight, the body shot. I'm, that, doing, I'm doing that on TV tonight with Shane. That was impressive. Yeah. Impressive. Body bull, uh, body bull. Yeah. I, and, and I've never seen a body blow like that just crumble a guy. Buckle a guy. Yeah. And he wasn't even sour. Well, no, I mean, it was, it was a good shot. But in the penalty box after, yeah. looking over, yeah. gave him a little little nod, like, good goal, yeah. Austin Wagner. But you're right, they, they were throwing big punches, yeah. big punches, and then Kolasar went back to the to the body. So Shane's been in a few of those sure. go-arounds. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited on the on our pregame show on the TV Teeth and Hair side. Yeah. What what's acceptable where where you go with the body shots cuz you don't you don't see a lot of guys do it and if you're as good as or it's as effective as Colasar was yesterday why don't more guys do it well yeah, that that was definitely not Jonathan Marchessault so and Logan Couture or any other fight that you've seen for the last no, 25 years. No, I mean, I, I love that 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 he hit him. It, it was almost like, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of boxing matches where guys hit the body shot and a guy will go down to his knee. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that in, in hockey. It'll, it'll be interesting to hear Shane's thoughts on it. And, you know, more more or less, like, you, if it's if it's effective, guys should use it more often because you, you, would, you would think there's – a slight less risk of injury as opposed to throwing them at the at a helmet helmet yeah but that being said is it just that it's effective or is it just that Keegan Colasar's got a lot of power in that hand and do you, does he just make it up as he's going along like there's an opening there so he'll he'll go to the body yeah. go to the ribs go to the gut but it felled him yeah right it was, there it was a solid solid scrap from Colasar uh but I, I approve of your stick figure. Um, with muscles? With muscles. I'll give you the muscles. Uh, but just so that we understand, the muscles have nothing to do with the power play. No. Yeah. Power play's funny, eh? It's weird, man. Like, the, the five-on-three had enough puck movement, but nothing into the middle of the ice. And, and it seemed like every time Vegas got it there, bounce over a stick it'd be deflected whatever the case may but be they had good looks and they had some looks i don't know that so you're not buying i, I don't the fact know that riley smith's uh, opportunity of puck just rolls off a stick yeah i mean the players talking about how they had opportunities 
just didn't bounce their way? I mean, I think that that there have been moments in that in that five on three specifically where I just want to see them get the puck to the to the blue paint, get it there and overload, and it just didn't seem to get there. You're you're yelling shoot, right? I'm you're, not yelling shoot. You're, no, you're like shoot. That's uh, that's not what I did. No, guaranteed. That's not at all. That's exactly what you're bit. describing. No. I'm not saying force it inside. What I'm saying is you've got to get your lane. You've got to move the puck. Then you've got to go to where you've got the advantage. Get enough guys to the blue paint, try to create a rebound, and get a greasy one. I think all five on three should be hammer time. No. All, I, I, I truly subscribe to the theory, all five on threes, hammer time. You're either, you're either hammering it from the, the hash marks on the wall, mm -hmm. like the OV Stamco spot, yeah. or the, the Pacioretty side, or you're going straight up top, hammer time. And yeah, well, just, they, just pound away. Missing Max Pacioretty certainly didn't help in that no, situation. But you can still hammer. That That's my philosophy sure. on on a five on three. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm with Darren on that one. And, and I'll just add, I just didn't see the urgency on that power play that I would have liked to have seen. It, it seemed like there there was a lot of really good puck movement, but not enough, like Ryan was saying, them trying to get into the blue paint. And but they're waiting for their look, and I get that. Yeah, but and, I'm, and I'm with you. Just just hammer it to, away. To just just put pucks on the net. When you've got a really skilled team and you don't have that that one timer option, you do have to uh, be more patient, be more uh, selective with your opportunities. When it's not, and we talk about this power play mm -hmm. of the Golden Knights like it's 31st in the National League, <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> no, you're and, right, and, and it's not. But but the talk around this team, when it comes to the power play, would lead you to believe that it's 31st. So here's here's where I stand when it comes to the power play. There's not a lot to critique about this team. They've been so good, it's hard to find areas where you want them to be better. I think top to bottom, you want them to be a little bit better on the power play because they've got the talent to do it. That's going to make make a difference in the game. Well, we saw it make a difference in a game. Mm -hmm. We saw it make a difference in the San Jose game. It made a difference early because they weren't able to convert, and then they were down two goals going into the third period. And then we saw their power play make a difference in the third period going two for two and enabling that comeback. For me, it's all situational. When there's a power play opportunity that allows you to either get back into a game or take control of a game, I think those situations you've got to score. You've yeah. got to find something more than what you've had on the power play. I, I don't really care about overall percentage. I just want to make sure that when there are opportunities to take the game over or get back into a game, those aren't wasted opportunities. You, you examined the power play conversation that we just had and the letdown from yesterday and the court challenge that led to a second LA goal and both are either fixable or you think the odds in a five on three they're going to weigh out for you and, and they, they should have won the game then could have won the game then I thought they were going to win the game could have easily won the game then. yeah and turn it around and win it they were going for another sweep and I'm disappointed because they Colorado's won six in a row. Yeah, I was really hoping that uh, that Vegas would win and be able to go in with a uh, seven-game winning streak. If they went tonight, we would have had this like crescendo 
of the meeting on, on Thursday between Colorado and the, the Vegas Golden Knights. Before that, both teams will play. Colorado will play twice. The Golden Knights will get one in tonight against the St. Louis Blues, a matchup between first and fourth in the West Division. Both teams are banged up. Both teams not going to be at 100%. Both coaches talking about some load management. Uh, Sammy Blay is going to be sat out for the St. Louis Blues tonight. Healthy scratch, a little different perspective. Robert Thomas, I'm told, will jump back into the lineup Ooh. after missing 19, so he'll help out their center ice position. Uh, they are going to go with that loaded up top line in Cairo, Braun, and O'Reilly that played so well the other night against, uh, against San Jose. And the Golden Knights, I expect to have... Uh, a little bit of a different look themselves. We, we heard some load management conversation or fresh bodies uh, topic this morning from Pete DeBoer. We did, and you know, I I think that it's something that as, as we kind of progress through the rest of this season, it's going to be necessary not to, to rest guys, like that's a, a, a byproduct for sure, but it's just about maintaining or trying to manufacture energy in your lineup night in and night sure. out. When you've got a guy like Patrick Brown, who we've talked about many times here, who can go into a game, you know exactly what you're going to get from him, and he's going to bring that energy every single shift he takes, that's something that you're going to need on the bench at various times throughout the rest of the season. So Cody Glass and uh, Dylan Coughlin out after practice today. So I would assume that they will be coming out, and the odds to, to go in would be uh, a Patrick Brown and a Nick Holden, mm -hmm. who's what the post-game zooms are going to be very dull with Nick Holden's in the lineup instead of just off-camera making fun or throwing <laughs> things at everybody. Uh, he, he's been a mainstay in the Stormy uh, Bonatoni walk-off interviews on the AT&T Sportsnet side. Uh, he had he had Alex uh, Alec Martinez completely flummoxed the other day uh, <laughs> after the Friday night tilt against the Los Angeles Kings. But, uh, yeah, putting putting a body in here and there, one in the back end, one one uh, up front, just to give you a different energy level. Mm -hmm. And it also, again, we've seen this from the Cody Glass perspective, where Pete DeBoer has every 10 games or so pulled them out of the lineup, given them a chance to watch. Rest, watch, perspective, and, and to get going. Because you're kind of now at the stage where we've had a couple of, looks where you go, it's Cody Glass found it. Mm -hmm. He's worked through the rehab and the injury. He's changed his body, mm -hmm. so it was going to take a while to find his rhythm. I thought it was going to take a while to find his rhythm. Yep. Uh, but now you're game 30 of the season. Should be kind of rounding into form, getting that confidence up to speed, knowing what he can do with this new body, what, he, what he, his limitations might be in that area. But five on five, got to be better. Yeah. And so that might be the, the, the answer now. Instead of pacing Cody Glass, it might be about challenging Cody Glass. I, I think that that's an accurate assessment of, of where we're at. It, the, the reality is that when you look at Cody Glass and when you look at what I think the expectation is for him in terms of third line, and needing more in terms of depth scoring, 
you need Cody to start making some of the plays that he's able to make, that he's capable of making on the power play at five on five. You I want, think he's tight. I think he's. I think he's I, feeling some pressure. And and it 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 might just take one. Like it might take one goal at five on five, one play to kind of unlock that for him. Do you think he's thinking about five on five versus power play? I just think he's he's thinking about making plays, and and I think he's overthinking thinking about making plays. <laughs> he's overthinking thinking. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yes. If you're overthinking thinking, what are you doing? You're thinking way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say hi to Darren Elliott, who's uh, listening as he drives back from uh, Henderson from Lifeguard Arena, as he does his uh, his duties with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, one of our most loyal listeners. He also enjoys the use of the word flummoxed. Now, flummoxed, mm -hmm. a juggernaut, yep. or repechage. What are your favorite three between uh, favorite one between those three? Uh, flummoxed probably is number one. Yeah. Um, juggernaut number two. Repershage, you only ever I, hear every every four years at the I rowing event at the Olympics. Literally never heard it before in my life. Really? Yeah. Before You've today? Never heard never of heard it? Never heard it. No. No. Well, Canada's a big rowing nation. So Are they? Yeah. Good we, for you. We row from one end of the country to the other. <laughs> do you, do you, okay, my question then becomes, are you like really good at it until you end up playing the U.S. and then it goes the way that it did for the, uh, for the no, uh, juniors or? No, it's more like the Dutch. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like. Or Germans are good rowers like too. Like third best then? Or uh, English like have fifth, some decent rowers too. Fifth Oxford. Best? So, so do the Canadian rowers have to train in other places because you have frozen waterways for a good portion of the nope. year? BC. Our rowing uh, rowers are based out of BC in Victoria. Ah. How's that there, smart no, I, I was just, I was, I was <laughs> generally, well, no, no, I, no, no. I was generally curious. No, that was said with snide. Absol absolutely not. I would, I would never do that. Hold on, can I be the official judge on that? Yes. Yeah, it was snarky. No, yeah. it wasn't. I wasn't yeah, being was. snarky. I yeah, was, was generally curious. No, you weren't. Because I, I, well, no, I, I, I know that a lot of Canadian Chapman, you track were, you runners. Were you weren't, you weren't curious. You've been to BC before. Yeah, but, but. Like, you know it's on the West Coast. Yeah, but I, I also know that a, a good portion of Canada's track athletes train in warmer weather. We generally do hold the bobsled training in a colder climate, though. Oh, like mm. Europe? No, Canada. Oh, okay. We, we, we have, oh, man, oh, man. Well, it's not even worth it. We're going to take a break. <laughs> the one-timers are coming up next on the VGK Insider Show, live from T-Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Help me, people. Go to the near wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider Show. Right out of the gate, I want to tell you that tomorrow on the VGK Insider Show, somewhere between 4 and 6 o'clock, we will be giving away a couple of tickets to the Henderson Silver Knights game against the Colorado Eagles on Wednesday at the Orleans Arena. So hockey tickets up for grabs tomorrow. you got to be able to go to the game on Wednesday. Make sure you don't have any plans. Make sure you don't have any plans. Uh, of course, uh, we assume that uh, everybody wants the hockey tickets and they will change all of their plans in order to do so. So we have some news regarding the points percentage race oh. in the National Hockey League. Okay. According to Elias Sports Bureau, Tampa Bay's 767 points percentage is tied for the fourth highest 30 games by a defending Stanley Cup champion. 
and the highest since the 85-86 Oilers. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Wow. Through 30 games, the highest points percentage by a defending Stanley Cup champion since the 85-86 Oilers. That's Gretz, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And Mess. Good, good teams. And Andy. <laughs> and Fierzy. And Koff. That whole group. Why, why didn't you give Curry a nickname? Is it Yari. I don't think he ever had a nickname. How could you do it? Yari. You can't. You, you can't. It's it's the it's the hockey name you can't turn into a nickname. Yars. No. Not Kurs. Dougie Hamilton and the Carolina Hurricanes have agreed to table contract negotiations. Interesting. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. I don't know where this went sideways mm. or even if it is sideways because both the player and the team are saying all the right things. Mm-hmm. Dougie says, and it, like Dougie, at some point, do you not become Dougie and you're just Doug? No. It's his name. It's just Dougie. He's, he's Dougie. Okay. He marches to the beat of his own drum. He's Dougie. Dougie. Like yeah. Dougie Gilmore, Doug Gilmore, he, but is like people well, did Doug, call him Doug. Dougie. Dougie was the nickname. Right. Dougie is Dougie. Dougie. So Dougie is saying the right things. He wants to be there. Uh, he's finishing off a six-year contract that uh, he signed with, with Calgary. Mm-hmm. Carolina is saying that they want him back. But right now, it seems weird that you wouldn't get that deal done. And I don't know whether it's Dougie saying, I want to wait and see where things sort out. Mm-hmm. Because he's, he's done a good job there. Yeah. And he it didn't work in Boston, and it didn't work in Car- or Calgary. But he's found his niche with the Carolina Hurricanes. And I'm talking about a niche within the room. Sure. Sure. And I would have thought that he would run over hot coals to sign that extension with Carolina. Now, they're, they're not exactly a, a free-spending cat team. Well, so for me, like, if you're Dougie, not Doug, Dougie. Dougie. This is your opportunity. His to, brother's name's Freddie. Freddie, like it. Uh, there's an opportunity, I think, to, to want to see what the market is. And I know it's not going to be the best market to hit free agency in, but if there's an opportunity to cash out just a little bit higher – or look for another fit. I think you kind of owe it to yourself in this climate to do it. Now, that being said, I think you're absolutely right in that it's worked in this room for Dougie to just be Dougie and that be okay. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens as as we move toward the end of the season and into the off season. But uh, that's a bit surprising to me because everything seems to make the most sense for him to stay in Carolina. J.P. Barry's the agent there. We'll follow it uh, with interest. Don Waddell, by the way, broke that news on a podcast. Oh, nice. Starting to happen more and more podcasts. And uh, we uh, we have a podcast. This show is a podcast. It is. So we yes. break news on mm-hmm. this podcast. Uh, there's one other bit of Carolina Hurricane news. Oh. Their coach is an unrestricted free agent. I like him. His em. contract runs out. Uh, they are. Don Waddell says he's 99.9% sure that Rod Brindamore will be the coach for the next couple of years, for the coming years of the Carolina Hurricanes. Better 
cross the T's and dot the I's then. Now, I will say this. In coaching circles, it's widely believed that Rod Brinamore is one of the lowest paid bench bosses mm -hmm. in the National Hockey League. He deserves to be paid. I agree. What he's done there. Mm -hmm. like they went through years of not making the playoffs. Rod Brinamore takes over from Bill Peters. Mm -hmm. And they become a playoff team. Yeah. And not just a playoff team, but winning a couple of rounds. Yeah. I, I think I'm really curious to see where, where the money sorts out with Rod Brindamore. I I would like to see Rod Brindamore get a deal that probably what has him in the top ten in terms of NHL coaches because I think what we're seeing with Carolina is they've arrived as a team that's constantly going to be and consistently going to be in the playoff hunt. And I think they have a chance to get in and do something special. We've seen them kind of go on some longer runs with Rod Brendamore. I love what he's done with that team. I love the way that he coaches. I love how honest he is in his press conferences. Yeah. Um, he's fantastic. He's a gamer, right? And deserves whatever he can get in terms of his next year. So you think he's going to be in the top ten and paid salary? I think he should be. I, I, I like him that much. I do, too. I don't think there's a chance he goes top ten. Oh. I just don't think that franchise will pay the coach. Then they, because and 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 then this move is, on. It, like, it's not it's not a criticism. Yeah, it's a philosophy. No, that, it, that they have, and I don't want that to come across as like making them sound sure like they're they're um, penny pinchers. Sure, it's a philosophy mm -hmm. that they have, and they do it with with a lot of their their hockey operations and how they have the scouts and what they do with their scouts and their manager and and that's the way they approach the game and there's nothing wrong with that if you can find good people to do at inside that structure no i i agree with you and and i mean it's a it's a good philosophy to have i just think that in terms of the negotiation you have to recognize what you have in this coach and i think you've got a top 10 coach in the league and I wouldn't fault Rod Brindamore if the money's not where he would like it to be. I wouldn't fault him for looking elsewhere. I wouldn't. I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. I could understand that aspect that's, of it, too. That's also part of it. Yeah. They know that he really likes there. It, I mean, he basically lived there his adult sure. life. No, I, absolutely. You're, you're, so why would you want to go anywhere? You're totally right. Unless you're moving to Vegas because I like my moving to Vegas. Uh, Patrick Marlowe, you hear about this? Open to a trade from really? the San Jose Sharks. Really? 41-year-old uh, saying that he wouldn't actively look for it, but if it does happen or if it does come and a team wants him, that's something you'd uh, have to consider. His, still his goal is to win a Stanley Cup. Well, good. I, I like hearing that because I think when you are in the twilight of your career, for like six years, and you're yeah, he's, he's had the longest twilight yes. ever. Yes, he has. Like you're getting if you're playing twilight golf right yeah. now, yeah. you're getting a full eighteen in. Yeah, it's insane. But I I think that that's the right attitude to have. Like you you want to try to win, and he's done everything in his career, but win the Stanley Cup. So if you can fetch something, or if there's some way uh, that San Jose can work out a deal, then. Go chase the cup. 
Like, I'm all for it. I, I have no issue whatsoever with a veteran that has given as much as Patrick Marlowe has given to the San Jose Sharks organization saying, you know what, if there's one on the horizon, I'm in. Here's the complicating factor. He plays tonight. Mm-hmm. He's going to be four games shy of tying Steve Larmer for the fourth longest uh, streak of playing games. Mm-hmm. But he'll be three games from tying Mark Messier for the second most in NHL history. He's 14 right now. 14 games off Gordie Howe's most games played in the National Hockey League all time. Okay. If he's dealt, he'll break Gordie Howe's record in some other uniform. Do you think that matters? I it shouldn't matter to Patrick Marlowe, and I don't think it should matter to anybody else. He's already played for Pittsburgh. He's played for Toronto. Hey, I don't think it should the matter Carolina to anybody else. The Carolina era was a little bit uh, iffy. <laughs> Carolina <laughs> Hurricanes legend Patrick when he, Marlowe. When he, when, he, when he was traded to Carolina <laughs> and then bought out. Uh, yeah, I listen, it shouldn't matter to anybody. Like, if, if it's Patrick Marlowe trying to win a Stanley Cup, the circumstances surrounding where he may or may not break a record – shouldn't matter to him shouldn't matter to the fans like he's he's done his time in san jose he he is is more than earned uh the right to chase a stanley cup and not break a record in a sharks uniform so you you're gonna have this player who's playing the most games in national hockey league history Mm -hmm. breaking mr hockey's record yep and it might be in like the sixth game with colorado or pittsburgh or well, he's played for Pittsburgh before. Yeah. But Carolina. Yeah, let's do it. Come be, on. Be fun. Be, dif- be different, right? I, You know, Carolina's funny because I would love it to be Carolina. After the bottom out? Yes. And then bring him back? It's fantastic. Now, how much do you think Patrick Marlowe could help a contending team? I mean, he's, he's still he's still got his instincts. Like, he, he still skates pretty well. Like, you put him on a third or fourth line, hopefully a fourth line, I would imagine, and you you just kind of want that line to chip in here and there. I think that he could help. It's it's really going to be about what teams are in a position to He's do. He's got it. a goal and four assists this year. Yeah, I in mean, twenty nine games. You, yeah, but you put him on Colorado. I think that that increases a little bit, and I think that you've also got a guy that that has been around a long time and knows what it takes to win in the playoffs, even though he hasn't won a Stanley Cup. He has gone deep in the playoffs, um, and there's a leadership quality there that you're bringing in too. So, I I mean, I can see a contender going for it. I could see Colorado trying to go that direction. Yeah. I could see it. I was, just, I was just throwing out a team. No, I, th- I like think it more, more to go with the, the joke about playing like his fourth – He's breaking Gordie Howe's record in his fourth game with with a franchise. Well, it's, sure, it, 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 it doesn't go with that longevity record. No, no, no. In your fourth game with yeah, a team, it's it's funny, but I, you know, ideally he'll look at the schedule and he'll see when he's going to break it, and then he'll just ask to be traded to whatever team's going to play San Jose that day. Maybe that's that's not a bad way to look at it, because there's not enough games left before the trade deadline for him to break the record in San Jose and still be traded. Taking, you, ev- taking everything away from the Sharks this you would, year. You would do that? You would you would trade for Patrick Marlowe if you're a contending team? I think I'm, I, not, I'm not sure there's enough left in the tank. I, I think I could be talked into it. I think it, it – I don't know if I – I don't – like, if I'm the Golden Knights, I wouldn't. 
But like, I, mean, I love the player. I love the guy. I just don't think that there's enough left yeah. in the tank. I thought he was a bit of um, a scapegoat in Toronto. Sure. I thought he did a really good job there and should have been actually kept around. Mm -hmm. I think they could have used him instead of uh, – they brought Joe Thornton in. But, I mean, very different salaries. I just, you know, I'm sure Kyle Dubas will trade for him. Can you imagine Marlowe and Thornton playing for Toronto Let's in go. a Stanley Cup run? Let's go. Big big heat on right now in Toronto. Yeah, they can't Freddie win. Anderson or Jack Campbell? Well, Jack Campbell, he won. He won. Like, he got a shutout. Five games this year. Yeah, you know, you got a shutout. He won. So clearly you're going to ride. There's a legitimate goalie conversation taking place <laughs> right now. I feel like that's misguided, but I understand it. Who's the best division leader right now in the National Hockey League? Vegas, Tampa Bay, Washington. I mean, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna Toronto. say I'm gonna say Tampa. Come on, like again. And the only argument that I'm going to go with when it comes to Tampa is they're doing all of this without Nikita Kucherov, and they're going to get him back for the playoffs. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to declare here and tonight on this one-timer segment that Connor McDavid is your Hart Trophy winner. <laughs> it's all about being a Hart Trophy finalist. The only race left is to become a Hart Trophy finalist. The man has a 10-point lead in the scoring race right now. He's tied for the National Hockey League lead in goals. And the third-place contender right now for most points in the National Hockey League is 18 points behind Connor McDavid. It doesn't matter about divisions because Marner, Matthews, and Dreisaitl, everybody, they all play in the Canadian division. Veteran player and Patrick Kane is third. It's over. Only three players have as many points as Connor McDavid has assists. I just wanted to shut the door right there on the Hart Trophy conversation. And any discussion from here on going forward is going to be about can you become a Hart Trophy finalist? It's over. Anything to add to that, or are you okay? No. All right. Yep. Those are your one-timers for this Monday, March 5th, on the VGK Insider Show. Catching up with Chapman's next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wow. No catching up with Chapman today. Talk through it. I talk all the way through it. You should have told me to break. Um, yeah. Montreal against Edmonton. You never listen when I tell you that. Postponed. I'm sorry. I didn't give you enough. Ah, oh, you got to talk enough. You chimed in. You made us all confused. Uh, Golden Knights against the St. Louis Blues. Start of a swing week for the Golden Knights. Facing three fellow playoff teams for games. St. Louis, and then back-to-back -back against Colorado. Looking forward to it. Uh, we'll wrap it up for you uh, tomorrow on the VGK Insider Show. Also have those HSK tickets uh, for Wednesday to give away. But up next, it's the VGK pregame show with Ryan Wallace on Fox Sports Las Vegas.